0: And welcome all of the uh, people joining us in our celebration cafe on the end of the building. Welcome to uh, Celebration Church today. I am going to continue uh, on a series that I've been teaching for some time about what it means to be a real man, a real woman in the kingdom of God. Tighten your seatbelts. We're going for it again. <laughs> this morning I am talking about unlocking the spiritual potential of men who are. We're looking at Galatians, the third chapter, and verse 28. Paul writes, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. So the Bible is very clear that men and women have the same value to God. Where I believe we make a mistake is when we go so far as to assume that there really are no distinctions between men and women, that we're all basically the same. To make such a statement, in my opinion, is absurd. Now God created men and women to be different from each other. And isn't it interesting that when Adam and Eve sinned, the parts that they covered were the parts that were different. From each other. Not their mouths that can get us in all kinds of trouble. Not their hands which grabbed fruit they weren't supposed to be grabbing. The parts they hid were the different parts. They immediately became aware. Whoa. You ain't like me. And they became all freaked out about it. And felt ashamed. The Bible said. Felt ashamed. Because they were different. But there's more than just sexual differences between men and women. Those of you who've been to my uh, marriage seminar, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, knows that I talk a lot about the uh, brain differences between men and women, how men and women tend to think very differently from each other. Uh, Doctors will tell you that there's a distinct difference between a way a man's brain and a woman's brain is wired. They tell us that the uh, connections between the man's left side of his brain and the right side of his brain are not as strong as a woman's we have a distinct break between the two between the emotional and the logical side of ours brains women's brains have much more connectivity between the two now women will claim that this is what makes their brain more superior because data can flow back and forth more freely between the two hemispheres men are convinced that's why men are better because women get confused with all the data going back and forth. There are visual differences. Women's eyes tend to see more detail. They can take a look at something and they're just aware of more detail around them than typically men are. Men tend to have binocular type eyes. We just zoom in. And we're not quite catching as much detail. That's why a man can look into a cupboard and not find the salt (laughs) and say to his wife where is the salt? and she says it's right there in front of you I can't see it, it's not here and then she'll walk up and magically pull the salt out of nothing (laughs) guys are convinced they're into black magic or something but as they can see the detail women are convinced men are blind men and women hear differently They have emotional differences, as we're all very well aware of. And men and women have physical differences. Generally speaking, men can lift more physical weight than can a woman. doesn't make a man better than a woman. It's just that he can lift more than a woman. Now, there's always exceptions to that. There are some women who are exceptionally strong and lift quite a bit of weight, maybe even more than the average guy. There are some women who are bodybuilders who could probably out bench press every guy in this room. Great, wonderful. There are exceptions, without a doubt. It does not change, however, the fact that, generally speaking, men are physically stronger than women. Women in other areas exceed men and their abilities. It has nothing to do with value who's better or who's worse. It's just that they're different. Now, since the 1960s, in response to what many women felt were unfair and unjust prejudices against women, there has been a huge effort in our culture to level the playing field. And while I agree that men and women should be treated fairly and equally in the law and in the workplace, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I do not agree with the approach that men and women are basically the same because we are not. Sadly, in an attempt to correct injustices, there has not been so much an effort to lift women up as there seems to have been a concerted effort to knock men down. And in doing so, we have done great harm To the male culture. And ironically. The greatest losers. Have been the women. For they have helped to create. The kind of men. They cannot stand. Weak. Indecisive. Insecure. Girly men. I was watching this uh, movie. (laughs) I went with Pastor Lathan. And uh, my son. And and Bob Gustafson. And we went uh, to see this movie 300. Any of you guys see the movie 300? Any hands out there? Ooh, uh, yeah, it was kind of a manly man film. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. Now, granted, there were more women's body parts being thrown around than I needed to see. You know, and we just kept going, praise God, hallelujah. Not look to the screen, you know. But uh, <laughs> And because of such, I highly recommend, don't let your teenage boys go see it. You guys get a clue. You don't need to be looking at stuff like that. Wait for it to come out in DVD and then fast forward it. Actually, we ought to edit it when it comes out on DVD and have a big guys thing and all look at, without the uh, extracurricular activity. I, I will say this, in, in their credit, the one big love scene in the film was behind between a man and his wife. Pretty rare in Hollywood. You almost never see that. So I'll give him that, but still, I didn't need to see all that. But aside from that, it was one cool movie. It was a guy's movie. It was extremely violent and gory. and It was really cool. And uh, the effects and stuff were just awesome. And it's the story of these 300 men. It's based on an actual historical uh, event. Though, of course, they very much Hollywoodized it, which is their their custom. But uh, uh, it's based on a true event. Uh, 300 Spartan Greeks were... uh, Becoming uh, very alarmed that the Persian army was coming to attack uh, their area. So these 300 men went and to go and to hold these guys off until everybody else could get together and get their act together to uh, have a concerted effort to stop this incredible army. These men knew when they were going out that they, in all likelihood, would not be returning. And that's what made it so cool. These were men, real men, who didn't just live for themselves, but went to fight for their families and for their country and for something bigger than them. And these guys were very smart, and as history points out, they set up the confrontation in an area where they could not be flanked, outflanked. There were cliffs and and hills and stuff like that. The only way you could come at these guys, where the the army was coming through, was in this this pass. The only way you could come at them was a frontal assault. So these guys held off an army, which historians debate whether the army was somewhere around 200,000 men or as much as 2 million men. It was a huge army that the uh, Persians had. And these 300 guys held these guys off. Uh... Uh, for, I don't know if it was a day and a half, three days, whatever the deal was, that they held them off, historically speaking. And, of course, they eventually all died. But uh, long enough for the... uh uh, Greeks to get themselves together, and then they defeated the Persian army, and the Persian army had to go back. All thanks to this incredible stand that these men had made, and it was it was so cool. There's this one scene, you know, and all these guys look like Island Schwarzenegger, you know, all these, you know, when they're totally ripped, you know, these 300 guys, and uh, they they come up. And there's these 300 guys, and then this huge army of hundreds of thousands of men come up, and these guys were demanding that they surrender before the battle. And uh, the king of the uh, Spartans, the leader of the Spartans says Why would we surrender? We have more warriors than you do And they said, what are you talking about? We have hundreds of thousands of... He says, you don't have any warriors He pointed at one other guy and said, what would you do before you got in the army? I was a baker. What would you do? I was a shoe guy. What would you do? You know, and then he turned around and said, men, what are Spartans? And they all went Warriors! It was, it was very cool. But anyway, so so he started fighting these guys. Uh, this frontal assault. And these 300 guys were holding these guys off, and it's so graphic and gory, and it was great fun. And uh, cutting these guys up and chopping them to pieces. And then they wave after wave, and they couldn't break through. And then these guys would take their bodies and use them, their bodies as mortar for this wall that they were building. And uh, really gross. And and one historian actually says that that's what they did. Uh, it was absolutely... So these guys loved it. Say, come on, we need more mortar. You know, they kept egging these guys on. <laughs> it was just... And these guys just, you know... And they all knew they were going to die. But they did not care. They stood together as men. You can kill us, but you'll never defeat us. It's like... Oh. It's so cool. Anyway. <laughs> early in the film... These emissaries from the Persian army come to uh, demand the surrender quickly of of the uh, Greeks, and they would just become their slaves. And uh, of course, the Spartans would would have none of it. You know, these big guys. Where are we going to surrender you? And and the, the the wife of the guy who was the leader here, uh, the queen or whatever, she kept speaking up and talking to the to these guys. See, what I loved about it was that what this film showed was that strong men. Make for strong, confident women. Truly strong men do not oppress and step and squish women. They lift them up and they empower women. And that's what they did in this film. So anyway, these Persians, because this queen kept speaking up. And finally these Persians says, Why do you allow your women to talk? And the queen says, We talk because only Spartan women give birth to real men. <laughs> it was so cool. I was going, yeah, you know, this is all so awesome. This is not about putting down women. This is about lifting up women. But you only do that by having strong, confident men. Now, in an attempt to lift up women, America has worked overtime to emasculate men. Look it up. Emasculate. Our TV programs, our comedies all portray men as incompetent, bumbling, fools, nitwits. (laughs) Men are always incapable of doing anything. It's always the women that got to pull it together. We've had a culture of that for decades in this country. Makes for some funny shows, but does have a devastating impact on men and how they view themselves. Our educational systems. Oh, does that ever fry my Puerto Rican pancakes? Whatever that means our educational systems have made being a boy some kind of disease or malady like mental retardation our schools don't know how to deal with boys they can't stand them don't know how to discipline, don't know how to... everything's structured for girls because girls are more compliant more obedient very nice boys question stuff. Boys got to run around. Boys got to do stuff. Boys got to question authority. Boys want reasoning. Why do we have to do this assignment? This is stupid. But instead of teaching our teachers how to deal with men, boys who are becoming men give them reasoning. They holler at them. Discipline them. Diagnose them as all kinds of bizarre diseases. ADD and ABCD, EFGs And we are medicating our boys at an alarming rate in America. Rather than encouraging these boys to become true leaders of men. And leaders in our country. Leaders in our businesses. We are drugging them today. And telling them there's something wrong with them. Robbing them of their confidence. Talk to any guy who's a successful business or leader. and Ask them what they were like in school. (laughs) <laughs> I'll give you horror stories and, gla- and laugh the whole time not today but all I got to do is spend five minutes with a bunch of moms five, and within five minutes they're all saying boy you must be ADD right away they're diagnosing me <laughs> this is how brainwashed you girls have become in the system you must have ADD I say I don't have ADD I say you got VBI Very boring individual. Just because I, if you can't hold my attention, nothing wrong with me. (laughs) You're just boring. Someday I want to have a school out here be great. The only way we'll ever pull it off is for a couple of champions to step forward and fund the thing can't take it with you boys might as well invest it in the next generation but the one thing I would love to have different about a school out here is that we understand how to teach boys we don't drug our boys we teach our boys, we instruct our boys, we grow up our boys we're drugging them man left and right can't challenge them either I had a teacher in an earlier service said he had a boy last week and he told that boy you can't act like that in my class the boy went to the principal said the teacher made him feel uncomfortable the principal drags the teacher in and chews him out for making the boy feel uncomfortable I'll teach him uncomfortable We'll have a school that will make them feel at times profoundly uncomfortable. <laughs> the losers, we all become the losers in this. In this battle for equality, feminists have given a great, of static, great deal of static to the Christian church. Because the New Testament teaches essentially that one of the differences between men and women, the differences thinking, viewing, lifting, whatever. One of the differences is that men make for stronger, more effective spiritual leaders, generally speaking, than women. Many women interpret this biblical view as some kind of a put-down and angrily denounce the teachings of the New Testament as sexist. But to get angry at this difference is like getting angry at the fact that men can grow better beards than most women. Well, I know a woman who can grow a great beard. Well, that's great. (laughs) There's always exceptions. I'm not saying there aren't exceptions. We're just different. Can women be leaders in the church? Absolutely. I am a champion of women. I believe in strong, confident, butt-kicking women. My office is full of them. I'm afraid of them half the time. (laughs) One of the first things I did when I came to this church, I called up our elders and said, Step number one, all your wives are on the board now with you. It's no longer an all-boys club. I love the input of women. I think they can offer tons. But having said that, it does not mitigate the fact that while there are always exceptions, generally speaking, men will always have a stronger spiritual impact than a woman. And getting angry about a statement like that is like getting angry at the statement that, generally speaking, men can lift more weight than women. I showed you some studies. One was the, this first one was done by the Catholics actually, uh, in uh, I think it was actually in the Wisconsin area. But uh, they discovered that if a woman brings her ch- her children to church by herself, the chances of those children becoming lifelong churchgoers is two percent. But if a man brings his children to church by himself, the chances of those children becoming lifelong churchgoers jumps to 44%. Why? Because men have a stronger, more lasting spiritual impact than women. The Baptist did a study. Talk about two extremes. Catholics Baptist. Baptists. Baptists did a study. If a woman is the first one to come to faith in the home, 17% chance that the entire home will become Christian. If a man is the first one to come to faith in the home it jumps to 93 percent for some reason men will have a stronger longer lasting spiritual impact and that is certainly the teaching of the new testament epistles However, to conclude that this Christian teaching somehow somehow puts down women is absurd. It's not about better or worse. It's just about different. That's all it is. One can hardly accuse Christianity of being against women. People who say that do not know what they're talking about. Christianity is the most pro-female religion on the planet. In Buddhism, a person is reborn a woman because of their bad karma. It's true. They're actually taught to pray this prayer, male and female. I pray that I may be reborn as a male in a future existence. The Muslim Quran labels a woman as half a man. Even the Jewish men of old prayed, Blessed be the God who has not created me as a heathen, a slave, or a woman. In the Talmudic teachings... There's this little thing that says, it would be better to burn the words of the Torah than to entrust them to a woman. But then comes Jesus. Jesus pointed out to the men of his day how they were mistreating women and diminished their value. He said, haven't you read how God made them both? Jesus greatly esteemed women, though onlookers judged him as he ministered to and cared for women. He was not deterred. One part of the Gospels implies that Jesus received most of his financial support from women. At the crucifixion, most of his male followers were nowhere to be found. They scattered. It was the women who were there to attend to Jesus and care for his needs. As the written gospel began to appear, it documented that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the cardinal truth in Christianity, was first announced through a woman. Actually, so it's, it's, this is one of the reasons why skeptical scholars actually believe in the authenticity of the gospels. Because relaying the fact that a woman was the first to report the resurrection would not have been in the best interest of spreading Christianity that time. The ancient world was rabidly patriarchal and considered it laughable to hear that a woman would be the first to declare the gospel message. But it was a woman who was the first to do it. And the gospels boast of it. Perhaps God was making a strong statement about the value in place of women. As our scripture text shows, the New Testament views a woman with equal value to a man. However, that does not change the fact that generally speaking men can lift more spiritual weight than can a woman. And I believe that one of the reasons why the church is suffering today is that we have failed to enlist men as the heavy lifters God intended them to be. Sadly, the church, in our complicity with the secular culture around us, has joined with the feminization of the church. Even the way we talk of the gospel today, we speak of feelings in our hearts rather than of reasoning. And what's in our heads. Now I've read that they're coming out with a new version of the Bible. It's called the gender neutral Bible. They're referring to, they're eliminating all references to men. And just turning it into people. We evangelicals speak of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know what they're trying to say. And you'll hear me talk about how we need to have a relationship with Jesus. But this whole personal relationship. This is the feminization of the church. These are terms that women relate to. And then we wonder why more men don't come to church. A man would never seek a personal relationship with another man. I would never go to a man and say, I would like to have a personal relationship with you. He would punch me in the face. (laughs) I'd say I'd like to be your friend. Interestingly enough, Jesus said, I have called you friends. He said, I'd like to get to know you. Interestingly enough, Jesus prayed, Father, I pray that they will know you. Men will come with questions and want reasoning. Interestingly enough, the Bible says, let us reason together, says the Lord. Male concepts, male phrases. Not that women aren't a part of this, but come on! All this feely, touchy, ooey gooey. And we wonder why men sit and just barely even come to church. What they do, they sit there. They don't even know what we're talking about. Jesus didn't talk to men like that. He challenged men to become more, to turn from what's wrong, to rise up, and to change the world. He says, "You're fishing for fish." He says, "Follow me. I'll turn you into fishers of men. We'll change the world." That's exactly what they did. Jesus unlocked the spiritual potential in men. Sadly, many church leaders put the shackles back on, trying to convince men they should not feel, act, or be the way God wired them to be. I got to tell you, this will not engender me to my peers in America. But I have come to the personal realization or belief at least, That I believe the most greatest concentration of emasculated men are preachers. Bunch of girly men. Too afraid to stand up for anything. They'll only push people so far as the weakest link will handle. I talk to them about these issues as I travel around the country. And they all agree with me. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But they always go, "But, but I could never say that. No, I could never God bless you. you, you have a special gift for that. You can say it. I can't say it. They just need to get a pair. Which is precisely the kind of thing they would never say. Because they're afraid and we have created churches, the whole system in most churches today is designed to emasculate men, their leaders. These men aren't spiritual leaders they're employees. We wonder why our churches stink. Why out of 400,000 churches in America, the average attendance is about 125. These guys can't be leaders. The church systems are built to drop them and strip them of any authority. I heard one guy talking to me, he says, you know, I, I, I'm just very glad we have a, phys, a financial accountability in our church, I, we've just got a great system I, I can't spend $25 without the board approving it I thought, you are a nitwit wrapped in a moron <laughs> $25 any of you guys in business, can you imagine any of you guys, you're spending authority, the max would be $25, and you would have to call a Meeting of the the board of directors to spend more than twenty-five dollars. These guys can't make a decision about anything. Let's see the approval of the congregation. Can you guys, imagine, you guys, managers in business, before you make a decision, you got to stop. You got to come down to the floor of the plant, get all the employees together, and see what do you think of what I should do. You'd go bankrupt so fast it'd make your head spin. It would be a disaster in business today to run stuff like that. That's exactly the way that we run the church. We hire these pastors, and if we don't like what they say, we fire these pastors, and we hire, we fire, we hire, we fire, we hire, we fire. We've created this entire group of men that a bunch of Ken dolls in the pulpit. You know what you see when you take the pants off a Ken doll? Not a thing. <laughs> and by the by, <laughs> I'm getting out of control now. <laughs> you know, the, the card that people play to bring their preachers in loudness is, is, I was offended by that. Brother, I, I was offended by that. there was some lady sitting in the back and uh, one of the young guys in the church came to me and said, man, there was this lady sitting through the whole sermon saying, "Ah, that's wrong that's wrong, that offends me I I should just leave, that offends me she did that through the whole sermon finally hooks over and says, well then leave or shut up (laughs) and while generally we're not into insulting people here I applauded the young man Well, not offends, that's a a Christian word for control. We use the offend. Don't do that. Don't use that word around me. Grow up. Offend. The Bible says, great peace have those who love your word and nothing shall offend them. What does that say about you, Miss? I'm offended. Say I don't like it. I can live with that. I don't like it. I didn't agree with you. Get in line. And I've talked to you about how church is not about getting a whole bunch of people that agree with everything. People say, I'd like to join your church, but what if I don't agree with you? I say, man, my wife doesn't agree with me about everything. My staff doesn't agree with me about everything. Who, who lives in a world where everybody agrees about everything? But this is how we approach church. I'd like to join your church, but I don't know if I can agree with everything. That's why that's why there's little tiny churches everywhere. They'll get about hundred people who can all agree. Much more than that, then They split. Good night. This church is not about everybody agreeing with everything I say. If you agree with everything I say, I'll start thinking you are a nitwit. <laughs> everybody has different opinions, so what? I'll challenge you. If you don't think it's right, you'll I don't agree with them. Move on. So what? You know, split and start another church down the street. Well, that offended me. That offended me. Hush. I'll offend you. When the apostles first preached the gospel after the resurrection, they did it in such a way that men by the thousands responded to the call, and they changed their world. Today we can hardly get men to come to church, much less let them change the world. Churches should be filled with strong, effective men. Churches should be filled with entrepreneurs. The most entrepreneurial thought in the world comes from the world of faith that's what these guys do all the time they're stepping out in faith they're doing stuff they have no idea they think it'll work they think it'll work they'll take the risk it's faith those men ought to understand faith like nobody else in the world why don't we have more entrepreneurs in the church because we've girlyized everything not anymore not here We've emasculated men and failed to unlock their spiritual potential because we're more worried about what a handful of ex- feminist extremists will think than what God thinks we're more worried about 4 or 5 little people who say that offends me than what God thinks I tell you I love you I care for you I hope you'll always be here but I'm going to be more concerned about what God thinks than what you might be offended by some little concept that I make it is time for men to be men it is time for men to become the spiritual dynamos God created them to be to be the real men that the women truly want to be the real fathers that their children long for them to be it is way past time that we unlock the spiritual potential of the men in our churches and release them to be all God called them to be and there's a specific way that you unlock the spiritual potential in a man, how many of you want to know what that is? good, then you come back next Sunday and I'll tell you (laughs) have our ushers come back up (laughs) and our singers and musicians to come and get ready to close the service with our time of communion and welcome our uh, also down at the cafe the same thing all the ushers everybody come forward and musicians get ready (laughs) this just wires me I say I want to do a big men's conference next year But I mean not a girly man's conference. I'm talking a men's, manly man's conference. I want to fill this place full of a thousand men. It is going to be one serious testosterone rush. It's going to be glorious. I'm going to start getting some speakers. There's other speakers around the country that are as insulting as I am. I'm gonna call them up, tell them to come in. We are just gonna yell at men for three days. It's gonna be glorious. I'm excited, man. I'm telling you. And you know what? You know who really loves this message? Men. Men light up at this. Something inside them goes, Yeah, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yes. We know that there's more inside of us than we're achieving. We know that there's more inside of us than that we're experiencing. It is time that we start calling out what God has put inside the men in our congregations. Well, I have a question for you this morning. How are things between you and God? Are you experiencing the potential that God created you for? Or is there a wall of sin that separates you from God? as I said the Bible says let's reason together in other words let's think it through guys let's think it through you have sinned you have offended God you've done stuff you know is a sin you know it's wrong this creates a wall between you and God you cannot experience God in your life as long as that wall is there you say well well, how do I get rid of it can I just be good enough and knock it down no you can't good night if you could have been good enough Jesus would have just said be good enough then he wouldn't have had to go to the cross he didn't want to go to the cross he knew it was the only way to knock down that wall of sin. Jesus Christ, the ultimate man gave his life freely so that we could have forgiveness of sins. You can't be good enough. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You just need to come to Jesus. Only he has the power to forgive you of your sins. To breathe new life into you. To jumpstart your heart. Male or female. So you can start becoming all that God Intends for you to be. Jesus called it being born again. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayers. We're getting ready to take communion. and Reflect on the body of Christ that was broken for us. The blood of Christ that was shed. So we could have forgiveness of sins. I'd like you all to pray this prayer this morning. I'm going to invite everybody to pray it. It's not that everybody needs to get saved every Sunday. It's just that we all pray it together. So everyone will feel comfortable. But if you have never truly surrendered your life to Christ. If you'll pray this prayer. If you'll mean this in all earnestness. God will forgive you. He'll come into your life. And you begin to experience the kind of life. He has in store for you. Let's pray this together. Say Lord Jesus. I believe you are the son of God. I surrender to you this morning. I ask you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. Thank you Lord Jesus. Amen.